are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. Griff, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Um, car was covered in ice this morning, but the Same. roads weren't well, the roads weren't bad. Same. So that's pretty good. Um, and I hope my mother in law doesn't listen to this episode um, <laughs> because we don't want her to know yet. But we're getting a dog on Sunday, and I'm pretty pumped. So it's going to be a good weekend. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that this does not get into your. We'll, we'll just block her on all. Her specifically. <laughs> her specifically. Not allowed to have anything. Didn't I? Didn't you once tell me that with your mother and father-in-law that you have a streak on Snapchat with both of them? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> when you told me that, I was like, "What?" So, how did it like? Did they get Snapchat just to have a streak with you, or did they already have? Snapchat? I mean, they had it for a while, okay. but I think it was at Christmas, and. uh Mother-in-law said, I want to start a streak with you. And I already had one with Noel's dad. So I think she kind of felt left out. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first time. I remember when you said, oh, I got to get, we were coming into the office. I want to preference everybody listening. We come into the office and Griffin just out of nowhere goes, oh, I got to send my streak to my mother-in-law. And I was like, what? (laughs) Uh, Yo, what? What (laughs) Also, you still do streaks? (laughs) Good. Those are the ones, uh, the only streaks I have are with uh, Noel's parents and her. Oh my god! So, but everybody hey. always talks trash wow. about their their uh, what their in laws. Yeah, I can't relate. I love my in laws; they're great. Hey, you blessed. Well, Griff, we got a special guest today with us, and just to let everybody know, this man right here next to me is oh, a no. thousand pound no. legend. This here. guy here is oh, no. the craziest IBS worker you've ever seen in your life. And above all else, my guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Reese Will in the house today. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Goodness. I appreciate all y'all having me on here. For real. Goodness. Reese, uh, can you just tell us for anybody that doesn't know you, a little bit about yourself, um, just kind of like what you're doing in life right now. Why are you at IWU? And yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm a biblical and theological studies major. Uh, not many people can remember that, only really my mom. <laughs> but uh, I'm a senior here from Fort Wayne, Fort Wheezy, you know. And Shout out Fort Wayne. Yeah, bro, for real. But right now I'm just trying to graduate dogs <laughs> trying to get these last I don't couple know about months you guys but I'm just trying to lock it in make sure I graduate on time because you know some classes some gen eds are still remaining and I gotta lock it in so I can graduate bro see you get degrees buddy yeah for real so I want to like since we're not doing visual anything visual for the podcast anymore I just want to paint a mental image of the three of us sitting in here today in the terms of dogs because I got dogs on the mind <laughs> So like if I should describe it, I think you two are kind of like like pit bulls. Yeah. And you guys know what like an Irish wolfhound is? No. You ever seen no. those? I've never seen an Irish no. wolfhound. They're real big and they're real shaggy. Real big. They're real tall. <laughs> they're real tall and like thin. <laughs> so I think you two are like pit bulls. I'm like an Irish wolfhound. Here, let me pull it up like and show you. Irish wolfhound? Irish bro, I don't know what that is. What the It'll make sense in Goodness a second. Gracious. But carry on. Carry I've on for also, a moment while I do I've some also per- I've always personally identified as like Courage, the cowardly dog. I think you're going to say like an English bullhound <laughs> or a, a bulldog. Goodness. Lord have mercy. Oh I do I do Shaggy. hate bulldogs, though. I'm, so, I'm sorry Shaggy. if any listeners have bulldogs, but I think they're kind of ugly. What? Not pit bulls, though. I like pit bulls. That's you why like I describe bulls? you guys as pit bulls. But this thing here, this dog, if you're listening and you're not driving, look up Irish Wolfhound. They stand <laughs> at like stupid tall at the shoulder. Look at that. <laughs> Dude, that is... <laughs> Bro, crazy. you know what kind of dog I want to get? What? A wolf. Just a wolf? <laughs> you ever seen people with wolves? Yeah, they are be, uh, they're cool. Yeah, imagine pulling up to a house and you just see a wolf staring at you, dog. <laughs> oh, a black you one? You ain't going up. You ain't messing with that house. You ain't going to Poor that mailman. Poor, <laughs> poor UPS driver, dude. <laughs> so you're howling. He's like, well, maybe I'll try tomorrow. <laughs> are they domesticated wolves? Or just like... 
Can so you really domesticate a wolf? I mean, that's like yeah, that's the issue. That's as though. primal as you get, though. Like with a dog, some people try to, but then it like still has its natural like tendencies well, in you, it still. You so look, they have issues, and they have to like give it back to certain sanctuaries. Yeah. You look at a husky, which is like you're like that thing looks like a wolf, and then you see that thing next to a wolf, and it looks like a chihuahua. Yeah, yep. I mean the thing looks so tiny and harmless when you see it next to an actual wolf because a wolf's got like fifty pounds on it yep. and probably about a foot at the shoulder. I mean it's humongous. Yeah. Wolves are that big? Yes, they People are. People don't realize big. it. Yeah, especially like compared to a coyote. Coyotes yeah. are small. They are. They're small and kind of fragile looking, but wolves are. They're yeah. strong. I Impressive. mean, and their jaw, like their jaw strength, is crazy. Like you can hear them like snapping their like snapping their jaw. Like I'm not gonna do it on the mic. It'd be obnoxious, but <laughs> it's loud. I'd like to hear like it. louder than like any dog can do it. It's just like a like a. I'm, I, I, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I can't do it. But yeah. Anyways, dog talk. Dog talk. That out of the way. That's going to be the new podcast. Dog talk. Yeah, just completely unrelated. It. We're like, hey, we're going to use the STM gear for uh, for dog talk. Talk about different that breeds. Is, that is. So, so today we're talking about English Mastiff. <laughs> so Reese, we got a question that we like to ask everybody on the pod before we get into like the main things. Uh, so if you were to have a cup of coffee with mm. anybody in the Bible... Except for Jesus, man, who would it be, dude? That's tough. I mean, I'd have to go with my man David. That might be hey. like a pretty normal answer, but like you're the first person dude, to say everyone. David. I think for me personally, I love the underdogs movies, and even in sports, like when you're watching teams, I'm always rooting for the underdog. Mm-hmm. David, he came in alive. He was an underdog, bro, and I mm-hmm. love that about it. And I think a lot of people can really relate to him. Um, and just like the way that he grew up, you know, coming, being a nobody essentially, but then next thing you know, God uses him. God has a plan for him. And nobody thought that even the youngest little boy would do that in the things that David did. Yeah. I mean, they disrespected him. They didn't even just looked over (laughs) when they, when the, what's his name brought his sons forward. Oh my gosh. When Jesse, yeah. So Jesse brings all of his sons forward. And he left, he left David in the field. He's like, <laughs> he's not, he, he won't yeah. want him. It's not even like, worth bringing hey, him out. Uh, where's the, where's you got, old boy you got any more one sons? <laughs> yeah, we got David in the field. That's oh. my guy. <laughs> Goodness, what would be something that you would ask David? You know, you're in that combo. Dude, honestly, one thing I think about is like his heart posture and his thoughts after Bathsheba. Because, mm-hmm. man, if I don't think any... Christian doesn't come to a point in their life where they just, you know, have this experience, this moment where they mess up so bad and they feel so far gone. But then you see David's posture and just mm. constantly crying out and lamenting to the Lord. Yeah. Um, I think I would walk through with him, like ask him, like, what does that process look like? Like, how did you feel? Like, I feel like I'd be down in the depths and not know what to do and feel unworthy. Mm. But yeah, David still returned to the Lord. Do you want to, I kind of like, what we talked about with Bridget last week. Yeah. Was it like if you could be there for any moment? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so yeah. if you could be, I mean, it might, it can be with David. It doesn't have to be, but if you could be there at any moment in the Bible, what would you want to be there to see in person? Revelation. Dang. That was the answer. That was the first answer last week too, man. Like oh, that's I think it was. No, 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 bro. Like it it's, it's facts though. Like you're talking in the dream. Yeah. Like you yeah. want the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, you want the whole experience. Said, you know, John was going through it, dog. Could you imagine waking up? Oh I just got to say that. What did I morning. eat last <laughs> night? Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah, either that or, man, Balaam and the donkey. Imagine you ain't ever seen a talking donkey. Dude, goodness. Ain't you? I mean, that was just some crazy things that, like, the way, like, the kind of the Lord worked for, like, messages to come through. Like, yeah. the, you know, it never seemed it was, like, in a simple way. Yeah. You know? They never, like, just do, like, a regular, like, send, like, a message bird or something. Like, no. Because I don't think people would have listened. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're I right. think if I got a text <laughs> and somebody was like, anyways. hey, God told me to tell you to do this, I'd yeah. be like, hmm, are you sure? But yeah. if God sent, let's say, I wake up and my, I, you know, I'm getting this dog this weekend. I wake up in the morning and this dog's sitting in his crate staring at me and he says, go to this place and do this thing. This is a message from God. I'd be like, okay, all right, I get it. I get the message. Wait, all right, listen, hear me out for a second. Let's say you walk into your room. Your dog looks at you dead in the eyes, just says these simple words, 
nobody will ever believe you. What do you do? I would think I had word. Then. I would think I had schizophrenia. I'm not gonna lie. I would go to psychotherapy or something. Dude. I'd sit there and look at him for a second. For believe you, doesn't say a single word. Then I need help. I gotta stop drinking so much coffee. That might be one of my other thoughts. You guys ever seen those dogs that have like the eerily human eyes, just like like spooky eyes? Yeah, uh-huh. they're weird, dude unsettling what? that's like uh-huh. uncanny valley i try to like i would try to get the dog to talk again in some capacity yeah but then you look more crazy no but no but i have my voice memo going okay all the it. time all the so time so it's like don't nothing to see but the here. thing is but the thing is <laughs> everything's I'd, no i'd have to have a video because if they just heard a voice they'd be like man that's just your homie you set bag. up a little gopro and hide it <laughs> <laughs> like hide it Did on you your bookshelf. Off video, I'm like grabbing my dog. Oh Talk my to God. me. <laughs> speak, speak. I know you can. Well, like imagine Take you're, back, you're gone. Where is she? You go back to check the footage, and this dog is like on hind legs, walking around like a human. Like, <laughs> like he's walking around, turns and looks at the camera, winks at it. <laughs> And walks off. And then you come home and he's just looking at you like, you don't even know what I did today. You don't even know. I think like another story that I was thinking about the other day was because like my, my, my answer last week was, um, was creation Mm. and seeing all of like creation made. But I would really like to see what it's like to like go and look at the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Mm. Uh, Just the story timeline. I was thinking about yeah. this last night. I was like, man, I wonder what it was like when they didn't bow down. Mm. And they're like, oh, I'd, I'd love to like go back and take a camera mm-hmm. and take a picture of this. Like the king, like the king standing right in Nebuchadnezzar. It was Nebuchadnezzar, right? See, yeah. Yep. Nebuchadnezzar just saying pretty much bow down to me. And you see this sea. I mean, there was a lot of people. It would have been a lot of people. This sea of people. Mm. And then there's just three guys standing there like the, just the, I don't know. I feel like it would be such like a, unlike no other, like kind of scene. It just, you know, and you read through that book and it's like, you will almost just as it goes with about every other book, you would expect them to mess up and fail at one point, Mm -hmm. but it's crazy how faithful those three are and Daniel alongside Mm -hmm. with them. And you know, what's even crazier in that book is when you go forward into the visions and you get in chapter 10, you see this like unique, like spiritual warfare type of thing where like the angel is like held back from going and seeing Daniel. I think that's about it. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you guys ever read that? Yeah. in like 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it talks about like how this other person being whatever may be like held back this angel from sharing the message. And it was like a week or two. I think um, I didn't realize this until we took post-exilic literature um, and it kind of makes the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego even more inspiring and so much cooler because at this point they're, they're in exile. They've been removed from Israel, um, removed from Jerusalem. The temple has been burnt to the ground. The walls have been destroyed. So they've lost all of their identity. They don't know who God is anymore because Everything they understood God to be was located with the temple. They don't have any national identity. It seems like God's not kept their promises to them because they are now exiled out of the land that he promised to give them. And that was the outlook that a lot of people had in the exilic period. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't doubt God, even though it seemed like he wasn't fulfilling his promises, even though they hadn't seen this, like they didn't know what worship of God looked like Mm -hmm. at this point because they didn't have the temple in Babylon. But they still stood up for what they believed in and what they knew was right. And they they knew that God was the only God that they would bow to. Mm. Even though they didn't know how he was going to keep his promises, they still thought he was worthy. Even though they couldn't see what was or why what was happening to them was happening or what would happen afterwards. They just knew that God would be faithful, even if it didn't turn out the way they thought it would. Yeah even if everything they knew about God has now been seemingly shattered, even though God doesn't change, mm-hmm. they still stood. Come on. Same thing with Daniel um, praying. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't back down from his values and from his beliefs. Um, and I, That makes that story to me just so much yeah. more powerful. Is They were in a fog. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like, and part of it's the way the Bible's set up because Daniel's in a, it's like a weird spot, but 
they knew what they believed and they weren't going to what's the word? Compromise. Compromise. Yeah. They weren't going to compromise yeah. no matter what. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, you see blessing come upon them as a result. Yep. Like you see Daniel's made, I don't know the name of the position, but he's like given leadership. Mm-hmm. And then he cup appoints bear. them. Yeah. What is it? I think he was cupbearer. Cupbearer. Yeah. I, I and think. then he and then he has you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendo below him. And then they're, next thing you know, they're all in like these powerful positions. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of Nebuchadnezzar, awful, awful pagan king, you know, doing yeah. terrible things. But I think he, later on, you know, I think it's in the first half of the book, right? Because in the second half, you get yeah. into the visions and stuff. Vision. Yeah. Um, but it's been a while since I've taken post or uh, apocalyptic lit. Apoc. But he, he kind of has a moment of repentance, right? And proclaims that. Yahweh is the true God. He was drenched in the dew of heaven. So actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible is this story. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream where it's like pretty much he's looking out around like, no, it was a dream about a tree. And it was this vast, like amazing, like beautiful tree, like insanity. And then it all just came tumbling like down. And he asked for the interpretation, like, of the dream. And it pretty much, long story short, Daniel was like, man, like, you see this great kingdom that you have, but if you claim it as yours, it's all going to come tumbling down. Like, like, you're going to be, like, sent out of, like, the kingdom. So after this dream, Nebuchadnezzar is looking out on the kingdom, and he sees how great it is and how amazing it is. And he takes ownership for being a great king. Look what I've done. Look yeah. what I've done. He then gets sent out of the kingdom, mm-hmm. pretty much like literally like the people just yeah. like pure anarchy, just like get out of him. A once king in the most royal sense in the world is yeah. now sitting with the cows yeah. in the field and he's there for a while eating grass. He's a little bit you. crazy. He's right? a little yeah. bit crazy. But then it, there's this powerful scene where it talks about how he is drenched in the dew of heaven mm. and he confesses God above all and then he's restored to his place as king. Wow. And it's one of those humbling moments where I've kind of sat there and realized how many times if I claim things as if like they're like like Nebuchadnezzar, like look what I built, you know. Um, in a greater sense, um, one time when I was doing um, an extended fast, um, I'm a person that likes to work out. I like to get after it. And when you lose all of your results at a rapid race, it's very like discouraging. And because of the fast, I was losing the results that I had built upon and things I had worked for. And I remember I was getting so upset and I read that passage and I really kind of sat there with it. I was like, man, I'm acting like you didn't give me this body, God, to use that you you're the one that didn't give me the muscles I have. You're the ones that didn't put the bones in my body, the breath in my lungs. And I'm sitting here telling you that God fasting right now is not worth it just so that I might lose a little bit of things that I feel like I've built up. And in the greater sense of that, when I read that passage, I, I was just like, it felt like I was drenched in the dew of heaven in that moment it was like, Lord, like you are the one that I serve and I do these disciplines for you. Um, and I think we all just come to those moments where you see guys like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, great guys, just after after God. And simply it was like, we're not going to settle for anything less than God. And if it is, we'll go to the lion's den. You can throw us in a furnace. God's going to be faithful to us, you know. And we think a lot about like martyrs, like in, in the New Testament era, like after Christ, but I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were more than prepared to be martyred. Um, And it's the same resolve, you know? I think part of it is like what you were saying, like, this isn't my body. I'm not my own. Yep. So, you know, where I go after I do this, if I'm faithful to God, like, it's going to be better than what I've got right now anyways. Mm -hmm. Like, why not stand out? Even though it seems like we've got everything, you know, like, I'm pretty happy. I I don't have anything to complain about in my life, but I know, like, man... What comes after this life, in, incomparably great, in, yeah. incomparably greater yeah. than anything I could imagine having. Speaking you know, man. And when I read that initially, just seeing the constant struggle with idols throughout the entire book, 
And, you know, we read that today and we're like, man, people don't create false idols like that. Like, <laughs> the, like the physical ones in that yeah, manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I would think that. And then, you know, the Lord convicted me in that. And he's like, man, how many times do you idolize yourself? Yep. You know, kind of go, like going back to what you yeah. were saying with working out. Man, like, I look great. Yeah, like how many times am I going up in the mirror and flexing and showing all that spread? <laughs> thinking that like, man, I'm, yeah, that creepy is <laughs> different, dog. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Man, how many times do I do that? Or how many times do I care so much about what the others around me, you know, how they perceive me and look at me? And I get so consumed in the idea mm -hmm. of idolizing myself and making myself look so much better and so much greater. And man, if that, if that doesn't, you know, show throughout Daniel, like what happens when you are idolizing something else other than God, like how that affects you. But when you put God first and you completely idolize him and you worship him, man, you just see the blessing that flows as a result. Like you can eat, you can eat all plants. You can be eating salad every day and be in better shape than the people who are eating meat. You know what I'm saying? Come on. That Daniel fast be crazy. You know, he said it's a lot of lettuce. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I don't like lettuce. <laughs> oh, man. I try to eat chicken every day. <laughs> well, speaking about serving the Lord, uh, to kind of get into like my favorite thing that you say, Griff, the meat and potatoes, the meat and potatoes. of this podcast. Um, Reese, what is your call into ministry story? Mm, man, that's something I have struggled and wrestled with for so long. Mm. And you know, growing up, I just thought I'm going to be like, you know, those typical business majors, something like that. or Marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go into business and do whatever. And, you know, I can work for the Lord in that. But next thing you know, I realized God had another plan for me. And I can't say that it was one specific moment in my life where I was like, oh, my gosh, like the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Reese, you are going into ministry. No, it was a constant progression of just, you know, starting out like in high school, I would do some of these uh, youth camps or mm -hmm. summer camps where I'd be a camp counselor for, you know, middle schoolers, kids younger than that. And I realized my passion for kids and that and my passion for ministry and sharing the gospel. And throughout the years of doing that, the Lord would reveal to me in multiple ways, whether it be like speaking at these camps and sharing my own personal testimony with these kids. Um, there was a powerful moment where I had a night where I shared um, a message and one of the leaders came up to me and just, you know, directly spoke to me for the first time that I'd ever experienced like someone do this for me is they were like, you know, you have a gift, like you have a spiritual gift of just teaching. And I want to let you know that. And that just resonated with me from that moment forward. And not saying I was in that moment, I was like, oh, I means I'm going into ministry but it was a like affirmation that I, you know, deeply needed because so many times I would just continuously doubt like, oh, I think this is just like a spiritual high or something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, moving forward, I progressed through time and came here to IWU and we took classes intro to ministry and, you know, what's your calling? And, you know, still from time to time, I struggle with that. But it's beautiful how the Lord affirmed me in my call to ministry through just the pressing on my heart. It wasn't through mm. just necessarily the strictly the words of others, but it was rather through him just giving me that affirmation um, just through my own time with him, if that makes sense. I think part of it's like when you, when you do things that you feel that, like God's wired you to do, mm -hmm. like it clicks and it yeah. feels right. You know what I mean? Like you said, helping out of those camps. But I think another thing, um, this is just quick, uh, you, you know, you said like, you did, maybe it's, I'm just on a spiritual high, right? Yeah. The way we function when we're on those mountaintops, when we're at that spiritually high place, is like who we really are, like who God really designed us to be mm. and like how he really designed us to feel. Because when you're drenched in the spirit like that, you're you're brought closer and closer and closer to God. Mm. And therefore, like you're more in tune, you know what I mean? Like your compass is finally getting recalibrated to point to the right way. And such a power, like it's an overcharge almost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're overcharged and, and you're, you know, you can't wait to do, you just want to do everything and anything. You'll, you want to pray with everybody you see. You want to read as much scripture as you can. And man, like I pray for that to like, to, to have that every day. You know what I mean? You look yeah. at some like Amen. spiritual giants and we've got a few here on campus. Um, some professors I look up to that just seem to be like that all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, yeah. 
like, what do I got to do to get some of that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that peace, yeah. that joy they have in, in the face of some really trying times, you know. But it's just like they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And I think we've all tasted and seen, the three of us, um, but like I want to feast. You know what I mean? I want to feast on yeah. it. I don't want to. I don't want an appetizer. You know, I want it to be my daily, daily bread. Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny how that works. That's crazy. I I really like that. I think because me personally, I think I can have sometimes like a negative view of spiritual highs. Mm-hmm. So many times we view it like, oh, that's not like true because it's not sustained. But um, some words of a, of a professor here, Doctor Vardaman, I believe, that I heard was. Never seek to leave the presence of God. Mm. And when you think about that, like what that means to never seek to leave the pray, the presence of God, it, I almost, and I kind of equate it with like praying continuously, mm-hmm. pray yeah. without ceasing. And it's something that you have to learn mm-hmm. to do. It's not a man. I can, you know, from this day forward, I will never like leave the presence of God, but no, it is a daily thing where you are taking up your cross daily following yeah. Jesus. I mean, you ask anybody, you, you, I mean, if we could go back in time and ask Paul, like, Hey, do you think you've got enough of the presence of God with you? Like, you think you've got enough of the spirit? He's going to tell you, no, I need more. Mm. He's like, I need it more. Mm-hmm. And any professor you'd ask here, no, I need more of God. Like I need to be in his presence even more. It's the, there's this term that we just showed this yesterday by this. Oh my gosh. Rainer, Rainer. I don't think that's his name. Um, but he talks about the infinite horizon of God, which infinite horizon is you're getting closer and closer to like at the horizon. But as you get closer, you're either getting further and further away also. Meaning the more that you know a God about God, the more you're going to understand his vastness and you're going to be like, wow, he's even so much greater. Mm. So as you find out more, you just find out there's more to seek. Like that's what's crazy is that you'll go into knowing God more and more. And God has revealed to us through the power of the spirit. It's just we're progressively understanding what he has revealed. And that is like so for the rest of our lives, you know, we get to do that is to be understand God more and be in relationship with him. And then one day when glory comes, which I don't know what's going to happen, like, you know, what what kind of minds we're going to have when when that revelation hit, yeah. like you would say. Yeah, um, but I'd say this. So I, I'm a big person that one summer I studied like spiritual highs and I kind of studied how, why people leave spiritual highs and they might go back to old ways, but also how spiritual highs can be great reminders and lead us into so much. Um the, the reason it's such a high, especially for believers, is because most of the time when they happen, um, it's when you're in true community, when you're in a time of true unity, or you're in a moment of true dependence and surrender. People always, you know, they'll, they'll talk about the spiritual high. It's moments when you feel close to the spirit, when you live in step with the spirit. And a lot of people at camps are great things for this. And why do they have those moments? It And it feels so amazing because a community of people coming together, worshiping, surrendering their lives to Christ, uh, praying over one another, the, you know, lifting up praises to God. You know, it's a very heavenly moment. And the thing I want to um, lead into the next question is for you, brother, what are those moments when, or not to go to this extent, but like you talked about David. And after Bathsheba, and you hit these low moments, and then you have to cry out to God. What have been like some of those like moments been like for you when it's been outside of those spectrums of I feel so amazing, but kind of like yeah. I'm on my low and I'm just trying to cry out. Yeah. You know, what has that been for you, man? Man, that's an amazing question. I love that because I think that defines who we are, like how we respond mm-hmm. in those moments. And one thing that I actually heard like really recently that I loved is when you, you know, fall into sin, when you mess up, you get to return to God. You get to turn to him and repent. You get to run into the father's arms. And I think that's such a beautiful picture. Like it, it could be even in the simplest thing. Like sometimes, you know, we pray and maybe we get distracted. 
you know, maybe, you know, we start thinking about things like what's going on in our world, like what's happening today, what we have planned throughout the day. But when we do get distracted, I also think in those moments, like you can think of it in a way of I get to return to God. I get to come back and enter, you know, into this time of worship. Mm. But when I think about, you know, Dave and Bathsheba, I think every Christian has had a moment where they fall into these cycles of sin. They constantly are like, man, Lord, I don't know how to get out of this. Like you guys probably know as well as I do. Mm -hmm. Like, how will I ever break these chains? How will I ever like stop falling into this sin and temptation? And I think it goes back into that complete and utter crying out to the Lord, Mm -hmm. because that is the first and most important thing. And because so many times you're going to hear those lies constantly coming into your ears. You're going to hear, you are not worthy. You are not good enough. You will never be good enough. You are this, you are that. And when we constantly hear those lies, we start to believe them. Mm -hmm. And that is what separates us from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think when we choose to completely surrender and choose to dive into the word and worship him, he begins to transform us. And it's not a flip of the switch. Okay. You are cleansed. You are entirely sanctified. You're good to go. No, but it is a, man, it is a daily progression of being transformed and renewing your mind. Come on. I mean, mean, that makes me think of Psalm 51. And like, I'm just now learning like how important it is to read scripture, maybe as the author would have written it, right? So like, this is like David's lament Psalm. And he's saying, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin or in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. I mean, so David's abundantly aware that he has fallen so, so short of the standard that God wishes him to strive for. And he's crying out, he knows that his heart's covered in tumors and he can't do anything to get them off. And he knows the only person who has the power to do that's God. And he knows that because he knows God's character is number one, merciful and loving, mm-hmm. abundantly merciful and steadfast in love. Mm-hmm. And that's why he can cry out to God. Like, I know that I've sinned against you and you alone, but I know you're merciful and I know you're loving and I know that you delight in a broken and contrite spirit. And that's the first step. That's the place you have to come to is you have to have your own heart broken by your sinfulness, but then know that God is loving and wants you to come back and will rejoice and will gladly create in you a clean heart and restore to you the joy of the salvation that you felt before. You know what I mean? Like we come to these points where we want that feeling. We want to come back to that, that spiritual high and you just have to cry out, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And we come to those points where we're like, man, I don't know if God's really listening right now. This is just a, this is just a tough season in life. Um, 
I'm not really hearing his voice. I'm like, God didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like God's omnipresent. He didn't go anywhere. The spirit doesn't go anywhere. That's like something like, God, give us more of your spirit. I'm like, the spirit can't be measured. The spirit's there in fullness. Christ is there in fullness where two or more are gathered. You know what I'm saying? May All you got to do is tune yourself in. May <laughs> open my eyes so that I can see you more and let may, my heart feel your presence more. May we like, give you more. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is realizing that like God doesn't change. Yeah. That is fundamental. God does not change and he does not leave your side. So what would you say? Because I, man, I hear so many times be like, man, I just want to go back to how it used to be when I was, you know, basically on this spiritual high. Like, how do I get back to that? Like, when you are explaining to someone the practical ways of getting back to that, how what do you think is the best way to go about explaining that to yeah. enter back into that time of just pure, genuine worship? Mm-hmm. I think you want to get back to a feeling. You don't want to get back to where genuine worship. I think when you ask those questions of like, if someone's specifically like, man, when I was at this point with my relationship with God, I felt amazing. I felt like I was the best I ever, I I felt like I was the closest to God I've ever been. And we are people of feeling and emotion. But I would simply say, you know, no matter what you may be feeling right now, come to God in this moment, cry out to him, sit with him, listen, pray, worship through song. And even if you're not, maybe even feeling anything, realizing that a genuine worship for God is the adoration and the mindset of you you are so holy, God, and you are so worthy. You are so beautiful. And God, I just want to worship you. And when we get to that heart posture, no matter what season we're in, we're always going to, we're being formed by the spirit of God. For anybody listening, even if you haven't heard God in a while or you felt like you've been in a dry season, realize like the well that we drank from never runs dry. And that you can go to that. When you read your word, if you're if you're someone listening right now and you haven't felt anything, the word is forming you every time you read it. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're getting anything yeah. out of it or not. Amen. When you're praying right now, God is listening to you. And God is doing some things that might not be seen, but if you have hope in God, it is not in what's seen, but what is yet to come. So have that hope in him. If And it's a lonely feeling. Another thing with that, if you want to get back to that, find community, find brothers and mm. sisters in Christ. You cannot carry this burden of loneliness alone because when we can't hear God or we don't feel God, the only voice you hear is the, is the devil's. Is it, It's just, it's so crazy. And the thing is, also, look for God in your days. Look for moments of kindness. Look for moments of love. Look for these moments. I mean, shoot, let the sun just hit your face for a second. And that is a type of grace that the Lord is showing towards you, life itself. Wow. And the genuine and practically what I want to get from that, because I, I think what you asked is like also like a question of like practicality, mm-hmm. is that practically... Take each day and take your daily bread for that day. I, I'm going to tell you, like, the one headspace that I've always gotten into is, Lord, give me bread that lasts for, like, a week, a month, or <laughs> for the rest of my life. You know, Lord, give me yeah. some type of bread to where I can always feel like I'm at this huge high, um, which I'll say this, bro. What's the one thing that Jesus uh, says for us to expect in the Bible? There's the one thing that he said for sure we will experience the cross. Mm-hmm. Persecution. We will experience mm-hmm. persecution. We will fe- experience suffering. We will experience the brokenness of this world. And yes, we will have these moments of high. But in a worldly sense, we'll experience a lot of lows. And yeah. Jesus promises that. So when we ask for daily bread, for anybody that's why do we ask for daily bread? The reason we ask for daily bread is because if we go into James, it says that we're not promised tomorrow. We could be like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. But we ask for daily bread because it's a daily commitment to the Lord of God that I want you to sustain me even every single day. Yeah, and it's like if, if God did give you that measure for a week or for a month, like you'd stop needing him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'd stop being reliant on God. You'd stop being, you know, um, not crutch, but the thing that supports you and holds you up. And I kind of want to talk, I want to touch on what you said about getting back to that feeling, you know, of being close to God. And it, my mind went to Jesus and uh, Gethsemane. And no one, in, no one who's ever walked the planet has been closer to the Father than the Son. And he's there crying and sweating blood. But I know he didn't waver, even though he didn't, he might not have felt great. He just, I mean, obviously he did not feel yeah. great at that time. But he knew who God was. And then it's easy to say, you know, he was, he was God. Mm-hmm. So he knew, you know, but I mean, what you said with, with community, plug into a church. Oh, I stayed up late Saturday night. I don't, <laughs> and I, I don't know if I want to wake up early for church on Sunday. <laughs> well, if you've been feeling those doubts, like, man, where's God's voice? And then you start hearing these voices that aren't God's and you start listening to them more because uh-huh. you're not, you, you can't hear God or you, you might not be tuned into the right frequency Go to church and go and talk to people who you know are in tune with the Spirit because Mm -hmm. they're going to speak truth in you, and oftentimes God's going to speak through people in your life to you. So you're like, man, I don't hear God's voice. Well, what conversation have you been having with godly people? Dude, Dave Smith says this constantly. Everybody's, you know, hear from God like, I haven't heard God's voice. Yes, everybody at this table right now, we fully agree that you can have, hear audible voice. Also, you can hear from other people, but anybody right now, practically open up your word and read it. If you don't know what to pray, pray scripture over yourself. The word of God is the words of God. So when we're reading these scriptures and it says, if you're feeling like down, like you are the beloved, you are the sons and daughters, go for that. If you're struggling in your call to ministry and you're like, I'm not worthy, Paul says, Ephesians 4 you know, may I be worthy of the calling you have given me, Lord. Scripture says what we what we need to give in prayer to the Lord. It's those Psalms. David, man, if you literally, anybody, if you're struggling with sin right now or some type of brokenness, hit the replay button on this. Find the the scripture that, what was it, Psalms? Psalm 51. Psalms 51. Pray that, o- on that on Wednesday. Pray that, pray that, oh, yeah. pray that over yourself. Um and cry out. I mean, cry out. don't just sit there and read it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Put yourself in that mind state of and like, you are broken, you know? And we want, like, and on a practicality standpoint, don't make it legalistic, but spend time with the Lord every day. <clears throat> and I'm not talking legalism like you think that, okay, I'm going to get this work, and now God's going to love me more. I'm gonna and God's going to allow me to feel him more. And God's going to, you know, it, it, God's going to show favoritism to me more. No, it's not that. We're spending time with God so that we can know him more. We're spending time with the Lord, not so that he can love us more, but so we can understand how deep, how wide, how vast, how amazing the love of God is. That us spending time with the Lord and getting to know him, you see him more in your life. You want to talk about practicality? I don't see God in my life. If you don't pray to God, I think about it this way. My parents, when I was growing up, they drove you everywhere. They saw you do everything you did, and they still asked you how your day was. <laughs> they still said, what's up? Like, was, how was your day? Because they heard it from your perspective. When you talk to God about your life, you will see him more in your life. You it, that Practically, I'm not saying this stuff from like a legalistic, like, yeah, this is what you need to do so that you seem like you're a better Christian. I'm saying... If you come with the mindset of, I'm going to read the word because I want to be a better Christian. I want to read the word so that God loves me more. Or you have these legalistic mindset instead of a relationship mindset of, I'm investing into this because I want to know God more. And when you know God more and you're in the deepest, lowest parts of your season, you cry out like David. And that's where, man, I it's so sad to me because we've heard a lot of blanketed statements like, oh, just have faith. Just have hope. Yeah. We've made them blanketed because we haven't ex- we haven't explained what that actually is like. What is faith? What is faith? You know, yeah. what does it mean that when you're in the worst part of your life and all you have is, okay, I need to give this to the Lord and I need to pray. We say that so nonchalantly to people instead of saying, hey, this is all we got. I think I just thought of the chance that music is all we yeah. got. But I'm like, that's all we got is when we're in the darkest and lowest moments, that's what we got is Going to the Lord, 
going to community. That's why the Lord says, let you carry each other's burdens. I mean, it's that mindset of, this isn't legalistic, the practicality of it, and the most practical thing we can do to to come back to God is by doing what he's showed us in his word. And for me, man, like, that is honestly like, whether I'm at the highest highs or lowest lows, it's like, that's the thing that remains. Yeah. Something for me, um, I was reading something early, I think it was in Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, it was in chapter four. And he says that, he quotes someone like, awareness of like the presence of God is like the starting place. And when you're, when you feel like you're not hearing God's voice, you start to feel less human. Does that make sense? You start to feel like something's broken in you. For me, if I'm not connected and I know I'm not connected, boy, does my anxiety shoot through the roof. And I used to think like, God, why are you giving me this burden of anxiety? When I'm starting to see it, I mean, I'm not saying this is true for everybody. I don't have like clinical anxiety. Some people might struggle with clinical anxiety and it's like a real problem. But part of it's like my internal compass and it's my body and my soul telling me, hey, something's not right. Are you, have you been praying? And lately what I've fallen in love with in prayer is uh, silence. I don't say anything because I've started to, um, if the only thing you do when you show up to prayer every single time is ask God for stuff, hmm. it's not a relationship. You're using them like a vending machine. No wonder you're not hearing God's voice because you're the only one talking. So what I've been doing a lot lately is called centering prayer. Um, and basically, you know, let's say we read Psalm 51. You read Psalm 51 before you start the prayer and you just sit silently. And the only goal is for you to be aware of God's presence. And whenever you feel your mind straying, you stop and you say whatever word you pick out of that scripture passage that you want to bring you back to the center of God's presence. So you, I'd pick clean heart. And you'd sit there and you'd sit silently for however long you can stand it. Um, yesterday we had a, I was leading the Kern cohort meeting for the sophomores here. Kern's that uh, program that allows you to get your undergrad degree in three years, master's degree in the next two. But I just had to sit there and do centering prayer for 10 minutes. And boy, 10 minutes could feel like a really long time, you know, but that was a gift just to sit there and do that. Not even alone. Like I love doing it by myself too, but sitting there and being silent before the Lord with a group of 20 other people. I mean, it really recalibrates you. I mean, it's that tune-up that you need. And like you said, Dan, you need it daily. I mean, because otherwise, I know I can screw myself up pretty dang easy. And I think we all know that you can screw yourself up pretty dang easy once you start trying to start try, start trying to do things the wrong way. I mean, if our body's the engine and the presence of God is the thing we're meant to run on, yeah. well, we're not connected with God, it's like we're pouring, a, you know how you pour sugar in a gas tank, it'll blow it up, right? Bro. You start filling. You start filling your time with that sugar, you know, something that tastes good for a little bit, um, it's going to burn your engine out. And your car's not going to run well. And the only person who can tune you up and put you back on the right track and, you know, put that good gas in you is the Lord. Because he's the one who created that engine that is your body, that is your soul. And he's the only one who can put you on the right track again. Man, that's good. I uh, One thing that I was thinking about is you were talking about how we can so many times listen to these lies mm. that constantly come in. And one thing that I've realized just through my time of just studying scripture here in certain classes is so many times you see Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 quoted. And Paul quotes it in the end of Acts 28. And he said, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving, never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Man, so many times, how often do we sit and pray, Lord, would you open up my ears? How many times do we just sit, Lord, so many times sin can be blinding to me. I seek out that temporary satisfaction so many times I just want that temporary satisfaction and then, you know, maybe the pain will go away for a little bit or maybe I'll feel good for a little bit. But then when we see that verse, we see stuff like 
Lord, would you open up my ears so I may hear your word? Would you open up my eyes so I may see your word, read it, and would you help me to understand it? We can when we, when we dive into scripture, man. I just want you to know, like you should be praying every time before you dive into scripture, yeah. because when you read those words alone and you do that. You will not understand it. I promise. That's how you that. start being a heretic, yeah. right there. <laughs> hey, amen. <laughs> but when we pray to God for Him to guide us and say, "Holy Spirit, would you illuminate this text? Would you allow me to understand it and interpret it correctly in the way that you desire?" There's something beautiful that occurs, and then that, just like you were saying, Dan, the Holy Spirit comes and it, we have, begin to have our mind transformed each and every day, and then. He says salvation has been sent to the, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. It is for all people. It is not just for a specific group. It is for anyone, even when you feel like you're in the lowest of lows, you're in the depths of sin, you are still able to come to the Lord because he loves you and he welcomes you with open arms. Come on, come on. So for you, Reese, what would be for those who, this is on the Called Collective website, which is a platform for those who have a call into ministry and are kind of walking through it, um, what would be your greatest piece of advice that anybody that's kind of wrestling with their call to ministry or even just calling from the Lord in general? Yeah, that's another really good question. One thing that the Lord has just kind of revealed to me is his faithfulness recently. So many times I think we forget of just how faithful the Lord has been throughout our lives and remember how he always holds his promises. They are Mm -hmm. always true. And he never forsakes us. He never leaves us. So with that, I say so many times when we are doubting our call to ministry, doubting whatever the Lord is calling us to, we must remember that he is still faithful. He is still good. He is still loving. And as long as you are desiring to pursue the desires of his heart and his plan for you, how can you fail? You know, mm-hmm. you not saying you were going to go unscathed. Unscathed. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. When you pursue whatever it may be with the Lord and your genuine desire is to please him, mm. that is when you will be doing the Lord's will. Come on. And I just want to, so that is my encouragement and piece of advice is because when we lose sight of that and just how good the Lord is, that's when we lose sight of our plan. Can I throw something in there? Yeah. yeah. I think part of it too for me that's been encouraging is, God does not need my help, but he chooses to call me out and ask me to do this thing for him. Like he asked me to be a partner in, in furthering the kingdom of God. And like that's been encouraging to me. Not only that, but um, Proverbs says, uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's helped inspire a little bit of fear in me too. Like the creator of the universe has given me a task And he expects me to perform this task in a way that is glorifying to him. And that task just so happens to be my entire life, everything I say and do. And it it, it inspires a fear like that doesn't change. I mean, you should still have a healthy fear of the Lord. And that's something I think is missing a lot is a healthy fear of God. But it's the way that you revere and respect your father. You know, your father who disciplines you because he loves you. Because he wants to see you grow. That's, you know, I was afraid of my dad for a while until I realized that he was doing it for a good reason. And that's what, that's the way God is too. He calls you into this mission, but you got to walk in the way that is worthy of, of what you've been called to. I'm right. You said that. Yeah. So that's just my two cents I want to throw in. For everything, like we said, I think the main thing I would just like, kind of like to summarize it all is... I've wrestled with this a lot. If you just want to change your actions and you just want to stop sinning, then you're limiting what God can do. Like, I know that I want this, but I'm not doing it. I do think that there are times where we have to reject our flesh and we have these desires to do things and you have that desire to do it. Paul says, crucify the flesh, right? Uh huh. Don't limit your prayer to Lord. May I just stop sinning? No, Lord. Create in me a clean, clean heart. Mm-hmm. Give me a pure heart. Lord, may I not have those thoughts anymore. God, may I not desire those things anymore. Change my desires to be your desires above all else. So before we end here, 
Reese, me and Griff like to do this thing at the end of every podcast where we give affirmations to our guests. I could start us out, Griff. Sure. Um, the one thing I'll say throughout this episode and just knowing you the last few years, Reese, is, man, even as I walk over here when we were talking about things, like there's a desire for you to seek the word. And there's a desire for you to know God more. And even in the way that you serve, or I see you with the students that you help out with right now, I love, man, when I'm walking through campus and I see you just loving on those students, loving on um, the people that you're ministering to, man. Um, there's just this attitude and posture you have of just such a, a welcoming spirit and a spirit of making people feel loved and also listen to and i think also in the same sense based off of what you've kind of said in this podcast i think it generally comes through the character the lord has built into you and him making you more like him because everything you've talked about god um, and how to grow and how to seek him are all ways that when you love people you listen to them as a child you know as we listen to god and the way you sit with them and i think that is a posture that is like Christ. And I think it just comes through having that real relationship with Christ, man. And I think you have that dude in whatever capacity you go into ministry with, man. Um, I know you're a guy that hungers the word and hungers for righteousness. And I'm excited to see what God's got for you, dude. And I really, really do appreciate that. It means a lot. I know you said you wanted to have, have a cup of coffee with David. And I think, you know, how he's described applies to you as well. You are a, a, man after God's own heart. And I was thinking of what I was going to say and what came to mind was um, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I think that explains your drive because you have this genuine curiosity for, you know, we've been meeting these last five, six weeks and you ask such great questions, you know, and it's out of a source of genuine curiosity of knowing the Lord better. You know, not to have good answers, you know, for class, but it's just a genuine curiosity. Of, I want to know the Lord better. And you hunger and you thirst for righteousness and you will be satisfied. And it's been an honor, um, you know, knowing you for the last four years. Kind of hated a few of the workouts you gave me. They kind of <laughs> killed me. I'm not going to lie. But uh, they were worth it in the long run. That, <laughs> that tricep burnout is something different crazy. with that band. <laughs> But dude, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. I, I'm, I think you, you and I will both be amazed at where you end up in ten years, and just hold that lightly, like, like, like we've been talking about. Take your daily bread. Take your daily bread, and you will be satisfied. Man, I really, really do appreciate that, guys, because I love words of affirmation are huge to me. Um, I know you don't have a don't have a ton of time left, but I would love to ask you guys one last question, and that is like your guys' advice to me. You guys, obviously, like, not a huge age difference, but if you have any, you know, one-liners or multiple, whatever it may be, just advice for me as someone who is about to graduate, still unsure of where the Lord is calling them, trying to figure that out, what would you say? I know that's a lot, so good luck. <laughs> yeah, I would say hold things lightly because any plan that you make, God could turn that on its head pretty quick. And if you're holding on too tight to your plans, you're going to be very resistant to where God's leading you. So hold things lightly, you know, and seek first the kingdom. And those paths where God is leading you will become clearer, but he's going to reveal it in his time. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be clear to you right away where you're going to be in 10 years, like I said. But I know it's going to be someplace good. It's just a matter of tomorrow morning you wake up, God, you are good. And I will be obedient today so on and so forth yeah that's good yeah having a clear one place where the lord is calling you does not make you more holy than the person that had a lot of open doors and mm -hmm. went to the one i i think a lot of times we forget about the great commission that the lord has given us and reese i believe whatever you do after this if you're following the great commission the lord blesses those things and I do agree that there are moments where we are called to one specific place, but there's also a lot of times in life where there's a lot of doors open. And don't feel shame when there's a lot of doors and 
like, oh, I have to make this decision, you know, that in all of these positions, I could go and the Lord would bless this. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll choose this, you know, don't think that maybe because you don't have a specific, like, you know, place where you're feeling super led or even just like, there's like one, like, this is what I know and everything. Don't think that that means you're less holy or you're not following the spirit of God or you're in a season of like, man, maybe I'm doing something wrong. He's a lamp beneath your feet. Mm. And God's going to light that stuff up for you as it comes. And a lamp beneath your feet, I know how bright a lamp can be. We're not seeing too far ahead of us. And just keep on taking everything, you know, day by day. And allow the Lord to reveal those things to you day by day. And really just be present with what you're doing right now. Um, as my last thing, dude, is the one thing I've struggled with is, man, I could sit here and I could dwell on what life could be like in five or ten years, but I don't even fully what knows what's going to happen in the next five minutes. Yeah. I couldn't even predict that to you. I didn't even yeah. predict that Griff was about to say yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, So the, one, the best advice I could give is have a future mindset of, Lord, I want to follow your heart, but have a present of mindset of, God, what I, may I be fully into what I'm doing right yep. now? Mm-hmm. It, le- it leads into the next. That's really um, good. So, Because I tell you, if you're not present right now with whatever you're doing, all the stress and the worry of worrying about the future will corrupt things right now in the present and will also carry even more weight when you actually, just because you get to that future thing doesn't mean all this stress and worry disappears. You know, just because you finally get that job or you get all that and the thing you were worried about so far of like not getting to that one thing, that doesn't just disappear because you get it. You know, it's that surrender here. And then when you get there, you're a surrender. So, yeah. Partly off that too is like, God's entrusting you with what he's given you now. And if you don't handle it well, why would he give you more in the future? Why, like if you, if he can't trust you with the little that we have responsibility for right now, don't expect him to make you responsible for a church of a thousand, you know, or 500 or whatever the number might be. Cause it's, it's not how God works. So, uh, how can we pray for you, Reese? Man, there's, one word that always comes to mind, um, and that's just to remain steadfast. Mm. Um, I think to remain diligent, remain desiring God, mm. and to never be satisfied, never be complacent. Um, just as uh, KB says in one of his songs, who's in more danger, the persecuted or the comfortable? Come on. Man, <laughs> I just never want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely Baby. to remain steadfast. Sick. Can you pray for him, Griff? Absolutely. Come on. Father God, thank you for this time that we've been able to spend with our brother Reese. And we thank you for the wisdom that the Spirit's poured out here in this room today. Because um, it's not us. We're not the source. It's all you, Lord. Um, I want to pray for Reese, God, as he moves forward through these next uh, nine weeks, eight weeks of school, moving towards graduation, that He'll keep his eyes fixed firmly on you because if he follows you where you're going, he can't go wrong. And I pray that, you know, it's hard to find motivation sometimes leading up to the end of the school year, but I pray that he will remain steadfast. Yes, Lord. And that complacency will not be a word that is in his vocabulary. Mm. Um, That undisciplined won't be a word that is in his vocabulary that he'll remain disciplined in conditioning both body and soul to follow you to his best of his ability, God. And I pray that he won't get comfortable, but he will be satisfied in you, knowing that he might be uncomfortable. And no one likes to be uncomfortable, but oftentimes, Lord, that's where we rely the most upon you. And it's where we experience the most of your grace and the most of your power. So I pray that, God, you will always keep Reese on his toes. Keep him on his toes. Keep him surprised by how good you can be every day. Because we know there's no limit to your goodness. No limit to your grace. No limit to your mercy, your steadfast love. And pour that out upon him day by day. 
so that he won't get he won't get lazy, he won't get comfortable, but he'll remain disciplined in following you. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, Griff, send us out, brother. I want to thank the band Caledonia for the music you've heard on the podcast today. You can find their Bandcamp in the link in the show notes. I also want to thank the School of Theology and Ministry for, um, you know, funding this podcast, giving us this opportunity to um, serve God's church in this way um, to help prepare the future generation of ministry students and ministry leaders. Um, so with that, peace. Thanks, Reese. Thank you. All right. See you all next week. Boom. Much love. <laughs>